You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host, Jeff Marlin. I'm joined today by my co-host, Kathy Amos. Let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And to Kathy, I, I really was kind of struggling with the banner moment, but I'm going to go with last week. It was announced that Terry Morin was signed to a contract extension by the athletic department with a pay raise that will now make her the seventh highest paid coach in the United States and the second in the Big Ten. Only Brenda Freeze will be the highest paid, big, higher paid Big Ten coach than Terry Morin. So that is our banner moment for tonight. Congratulations to Coach Morin and athletic director Scott Dolson for getting that done as she it was well-deserved by uh, Coach Morin in the program. And our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And we're going to throw it over to Kathy for the Amos angle and get her initial thoughts for tonight's episode. Yeah, Jeff. Hey, it has, uh, according to Tony, been a minute for us doing a live one. We did have our interview with Chloe a couple of weeks ago, which was fantastic. Um, But we didn't do that live with any of our our workaholics there being able to follow along in the chat. So for those of you uh, listening live here tonight, appreciate you being here on a Tuesday night in the middle of a slow off season. Um, in early June here. Um, and everybody that's listening later, appreciate you uh, listening later during your free time. So really appreciate our listeners. But yeah, I agree, Jeff, your, your banner moment, I think was spot on. You know, I think that says a lot to have Coach Morin be the second highest paid coach in the Big Ten and seventh nationally, if I remember correctly. And so I think that was well-deserved, well-earned. And it shows a lot, I think, from our athletic department in particular to be very proactive in giving her this contract extension, the new, the new, uh, new, um, different caveats in there with all the different bonuses that are possible and things for her, such as off season play and, and conference titles and things. And I think that was just really spot on. So, you know, it's been, it's been kind of slow. We'll cover a few headlines coming up here, but to me, I I a hundred percent would agree with you. That was definitely our our banner moment um, for the last few weeks since uh, we've, we've been off. So happy, happy to be back here with everyone talking a little bit of IU women's hoops. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to discussion. I can let's let's stick with that 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 uh, that uh, contract with Coach Morin. I think it also plays into something we talked a little bit about uh, in the off season. Right after the season ended, we'd heard some rumblings. There's been some news about it. Uh, I think we may have discussed it on one of the the last show we might have done with the workaholics. But you throw in the contract extension with Coach Morin. And the news that came out that, and they are going through this process now that they are selling tickets by seat. You are, it's no longer just everybody's general admission. There are, there will be assigned seating um, available 
for you. I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. It tells you yeah. where the program has come. And it also shows me, I want to kind of get your thought on this. So I'll lead you in this. It, it just really kind of, exp- it really does give you the idea that Scott Dolson and the athletic department are committed to women's basketball staying toward the top. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and you could see that in, in our program and the results are putting on the court, but I think you can see that in the, the response for our fans too. You know, I think I saw today, we had a tweet out where the seconds in the big 10 in terms of attendance uh, last year, in terms of total and average per game and our average per game almost doubled from the previous year. Uh, and so, you know, we we're over North of 8,000 attendance this year per game and, and the athletic department, I think are rewarding those fans as well for coming and showing out and really showing their support by giving them um, some assigned seatings. I'm hearing maybe a dedicated uh, student section as well. Um, Paid parking, which sounds funny to say, oh, we're rewarding fans by giving them paid parking. It's not much. It's $5 to park, I believe. But that paid parking gets them, you know, uh, the, the, expense covered that they have to pay for the local police department to to help direct traffic. And, you know, if we're going to continue to want to have five digit attendance, we have to have some of these logistics, you know, come into play and and ironed out so that fans continue to come and continue to support the product that Coach Morin and and our women are putting onto the court. And so I think it's a big, you know, thank you to the fans as well. Um, So I'm excited to see some of these changes and how they'll be. And, you know, we're hearing that season ticket sales are looking like they might be up this year as or for this coming season as well. So, you know, I'm just really excited about the trajectory that our program is going on, not just, you know, what we've seen the last, you know, few years in particular, or the last eight or nine years with coach Moore, but even what we're projecting out with them. Right. And we'll get into that later in the off season about what we think might go on with our team and on the courts. But, you know, I think we're going to be right up there again in that, you know, top echelon of the big 10. And I think that just says a lot for everybody involved with the program, coach Morin, the athletic department, the players, and our fans. So just very excited to see all of them. Yeah, and along with that, a couple of things that workaholics here, Tony commenting that, and I'd seen this as well earlier. In fact, Ari may have shared this with us earlier. The original plan was it was just going to be twenty-five, the first 25 rows on one side of Assembly Hall. Now they've expanded that out to it's going to be both sides. The first 25 rows are going to be season tickets and, and assigned seating. And I go, and, and Kathy, you hit the, you hit it uh, as well. There will be dedicated traffic control for women's games this year, starting this season. So, which has not been something that had happened yeah. before. Um, so you could just, and I know people will be like, well, what's that got to do with the, the, what's all going on on the floor? Well, it may not have a direct correlation, but when there's a buzz about the program, when you want to be a top program, you have to have that idea that you're thinking big. This is my opinion that yeah. you have to think big and you have to want to get that program to be where, you know, like that. And I think that we, I think as we talk about some of these young players that we're going to talk about, I think that plays a role. The, the, these young recruits coming in, seeing good crowds, seeing things that are you know being done at other schools that they were getting recruited to, and I use competing with. I think it all plays in. Then you have Terry Morin and her staff able to sell them on what they're going to do, what they can, what program they're coming into. But I do think there is something to that. Plus, with that, you know, we, we haven't really discussed it much this offseason. Obviously, we've been, we, as we said, just really been a slow offseason for news. But you throw in NIL and all those things. It all, I think it all part of one big thing that just helps the program overall. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, uh, if maybe we can jump into our, our headlines, because one of the other ones that I think is 
also important in terms of showing the program that Coach Morin and the staff has built is the progression of some of our, our coaching staff. So one of the, the headlines that we have listed here is for assistant um, coach Glenn Block, Box. He left to take his first head coaching position. He'll be now the co head coach at the Miami, Ohio University. You know, we touched on that a little bit with Chloe when we talked to her and, you know, a lot of respect that that she expressed for, for Coach Box. And I think, again, you know, we don't want to lose our good coaching staff, but on the other hand, we kind of do if they're going on to greener pastures in terms of head coaching jobs, because again, that I think shows how other assistants will, you know, hopefully see that and want to come and we'll get more talent again, not just on the floor, but on the recruit and the coaching staff, which leads to talent on the floor, which just becomes a big, you know, circle of very good outcomes and happiness for everyone, I think, involved. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, what will be interesting is Terry staff, Coach Morin's staff has been pretty solid in her time at IU, has not had yeah. a lot of turnover. So coach, congrats to Coach Botts um, for getting that position and getting a chance to run his own program. But I do think there is something, too. Now you want to keep a guy, an eye on a coach like Coach Re Coach Rearsba. Coach Red, as the players will call him. Yes. Uh, you'd like to see him. I'm sure it, maybe he doesn't, but I would think he probably would like to run his own program at some point in the future, but it, you don't see, but, or I should say, you know, the really good programs, the men's and women's always seem like they have an assistant to the head coach who's been there all along or been mm -hmm. there for a long time. You look at UConn and, and Gino Ariema, uh, Shea Ralph had been there for a long time. Um, you, you just others that have been with Gino for a long time. And, and, and that's not the only program was like that. Uh, Pat Summit had, had assistants right. that were there with her for a long time, really, you know, we're with them. And so that really does bode to that. So you kind of like, that'll be one I'll be kind of keeping an eye on because coach red, I think, like I said, good coach, everything I've ever heard about him coming from players like from Chloe, from grace, things I see in the media about him from the, from the players they all really like him and respect him. And that's one of the things I think you hear from the players. We heard that from Chloe, just yes. how much respect there is for the entire coaching staff, coaching staff. Didn't you get that feeling from talking with her? I did. Absolutely. And, you know, we're again, we're, today we're going to be focusing on, you know, our three new incoming players, one transfer, two freshmen. But I, that was actually uh, two of the the interviews that I, I read and heard with the freshmen in particular talked about Coach Red and his involvement in their, their recruiting. And even in some of the articles I read, him being quoted on why were they recruited and why they're going to fit in. And, you know, it just, I think, says a lot about him as our um, assistant coach when it basically our head assistant coach, but as well as what he does for us on the recruiting trail. And I think he seemed pretty integral, at least to these two coming incoming freshmen. And uh, I'm sure he has been in, in the years past too, but this one has been, seemed to be a little more vocal in, in public about the fact that he was so integral into that, that recruitment of them. I'm going to get into our last Hoosier headline, then I'm going to throw it over to you, Kathy. Sarah, yep. Sarah Scalia will be conducting a shooting clinic on, in Bloomington on August 27. I want to shout that out. I don't have all the details, but I did see it on Twitter. We we retweeted it through the Doing the Work account on Twitter, so you can find some of the information there. Um, but, but Sarah Scalia is, is going to be doing that on the 27th of August in Bloomington. And then let's get to the bulk of our show tonight. And that's yeah. talking about the three new players we have. And I'm going to throw it over to you to take our first player. And then I'll kind of chime in a little bit. But I want you to talk about Sharnice a little bit here. Uh, and then I'll, you know, we'll just kind of go back and forth as far as who does the does the intro on the three sure. players. 
Yeah, that sounds good. So um, Sharnice Curry-Jelks is a, a transfer coming in from UT Martin. She was a freshman and played one year at UT Martin. She was the Ohio Value, Valley Freshman of the Year, along with a ton of other accolades. She was on the All-OVC all First Team. She was Freshman of the Week, I believe I I'm saw nine times, and she was voted Best Newcomer of the Year. Um, the nice thing with her coming in is that, in particular, she's only played one year, so she's got a full three years of eligibility left. Um, she is listed as 6'2 forward. Um, from things I've read, it seems that she is probably expected at this juncture to maybe come in and play a role off of the bench for maybe McKenzie um, rotating in there with Lily. Or, or I could see maybe um, – or even playing beside McKenzie, mm-hmm. you know, she's seemed really athletic in the videos that I saw of her. Um, and she, you know, she seems like she's got a pretty high motor and can finish um, through some contact. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, even though uh, some of the articles I read were really talking about her as a five coming in. I can see maybe her sliding into that four slot as well. Um so in terms of statistics, she started 26 of 28 games for UT Martin last year. She averaged, I believe it was a team high, although I saw different conflicting. It was either the highest or the second highest in terms of points at 15 points per game and just under seven rebounds per game. So um, field goal percentage, 53.9%. Definitely not an outside threat. She only took 21 threes last year. She made five of them, which was right around 24%. Um, but her stroke's not terrible. She's right at um, 73, 74% throw percentage. So those are some of the stats that I was able to find on her. But um, what did you find out about Sharnice that you like and maybe how you could fit in, she could fit in with the team? Well, I kind of was take, looking at it from the standpoint that, you know, you were talking about, but, you know, playing down low. And I just wonder if this is going to be more of what I, what we may get a little bit more of an idea of what we thought we'd see with Alyssa Geary last year. Uh, somebody who would maybe back up McKenzie, but then also maybe play beside her a little bit more. And we really never saw that. And we never saw Lily play beside her. So it will be interesting to see exactly what they're thinking with Charnese. Now, again, we've come a long way in injuries. But the one thing that did pop up in her bio was that she has had two ACL tears in high school, which, you know, that scared off some of the schools that would have been interested in her. Let's face it. Um, And so, but I am always a little hesitant with, with kids and players who have had a kind of a history of injuries. Yeah, especially knee injuries. Yeah, sometimes a one can be a fluke thing. Yeah, especially in women's basketball, women's sports, non-contact doesn't you know just plant wrong. You know, but when you've had two, and I don't, and we don't know if it was one on each knee or has it been the same it was knee. The same twice. knee. Okay, and so now that you know, so, yeah, okay, so that you know. Yeah. You know, so there is a, to me, there's a little bit of a, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, three years, but that's, you know, you know, you never know a better, you know, a little bit different strength and conditioning program may, may help with that as well. Um, But the one thing that I saw kind of like you were alluding to, Kathy, just athletic, athletic can finish through contact. I think just, you know, uh, I think, and I, you know, even though Lily played well, I think they got spooked a little bit when McKenzie kind of went down at the end of the year again, when she was hobbled by the knee, set out the first NCAA tournament game, played very limited in the semifinal game, you know, really, and, and, and such of the Big Ten tournament. So I just think that, you know, that may have spooked them a little bit and felt like they had to make sure they had another uh, athletic type player down low. And I think they're, I don't think by any means that means that Lily's, you know, going to see her minutes drop. I just think they felt right. like they better make sure they got all their bases covered. 
Yeah, that's the the feeling I get. And, you know, I, I found a few clips of her, especially in um, there's a game she hit like their their game winner. You know, it seems like she has some pretty good vision on the court, too, in terms of, you know, getting the ball out in transition. I, definitely seems like she's very high energy. Um, I saw a couple of interviews with her and, and she talked about her new injury. There was one interview in particular they were asking about it. And it sounded like that happened her sophomore year in high school. Um, and then she was just getting back into it when she re-injured the exact same knee. And, um, and she said UT Martin was literally the only school that didn't quit contacting her. And that was the big reason why maybe she's kind of flown under the radar and was looking to make this, you know, step up now that she's shown she could play a year in division one. And, um, you know, the other thing I liked about her is that you kind of look by her game to game stats, you know, she averaged quite a bit of minutes, but her minutes kept going up throughout the year. So by the end of the year, she was playing 38, 37, 38, uh, 33 minutes, hoping to me, I mean, if she can last the whole year, then she seemed pretty durable and her points were starting mm -hmm. to kind of go up, you know, starting about January 28th, mid January, she's score double digits from there on out. So she became more consistent. And to me, I like that sign again, not knowing a whole lot about her game to game, but just guessing based on stats and, and minutes, she's playing more consistently. She's more dur hopefully more durable and with her knee than maybe she was after those two surgeries and she improved, right? Her, her points kept going up for the most part and she wasn't quite as inconsistent. You know, she went, Earlier on, she went from six points to 12 to 30, back down to five points. And so that consistent really mm -hmm. consistently really came in probably as she was getting experience at that college level. So I, I like that about her as well. And yeah, she just seemed very um, high energy, very much like a great teammate um, to a lot of her teammates in the interviews and, and clips that I saw of her. Yeah, and it, 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 we talk about this on the men's side a little bit too. I know, especially like we were talking about Peyton Sparks from Ball State and some of the other recruits and transfers we've gotten in out of the portal, that you always wonder, can the numbers they put up at a mid-major, can they come in and do that at that level at the Big Ten? And even if she doesn't average 15 points a game this year, and, and I think you also got to look at, like you said, she has three years of eligibility remaining. Mac is done at the end of this year. She'll be out of el eligibility at the end of this year. And so they need depth in the post. And I think that's what you get here. So you'll have Lily back for two years after this. You'd have Cernice back for two years, plus anybody else you recruit in. So I think you're also wanting to make sure you look at Sharnice here in terms of not just this, this year. Obviously, we're looking to win. But we also know that she can be very valuable down the down the road. So she may not average 15 a game this year. Don't get don't and don't get maybe caught up in her numbers because her minutes yeah. are probably going to go down. Yes. But I think what we're looking for is when she's a junior senior, can she come close to putting up the numbers she did in the OVC in the Big Ten? If she does, then then by all means, we hit a home run in the portal. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's the one question for me is, you know, she's coming from a school where she clearly was one of the focal points of the the offense for UT Martin. And will that translate to to um, Big Ten play? Probably not. Like, I don't see her coming in and being starter. I, I, I see her being a bench player again, coming in and hopefully giving McKenzie some rest or helping with, you know, alongside Lily or whatever, adding that athleticism. I don't see that she's going to come in and start, though. Um, so is she OK with that? 
you know, I'm assuming again, the coaching staff has had those conversations with her before she transferred and, and she understands that she's going to be coming in as now a bench player, a role player and how well she can fit in and play that. And um, so, yeah, so to temper, temper expectations, I don't see her averaging, you know, the 20s, I think it was like 29 points a game that she averaged in 15, excuse me, 29 minutes per game and 15 points. I don't think that's going to happen um, for her next year, but again, three years, maybe we can see her grow into that. If she sticks it, mm -hmm. sticks with the program and puts the work in, which it sounds like, again, you know, getting through two ACLs and coming back from that um, to me says, yeah, probably can put the work in. She knows what is needed and she's willing to do it. She's been doing the work. Exactly. Doing the work. So let's move on to our first, yeah. fr unless you got anything else you want to add about nope. Shanice. No, uh, let's move on to our first freshman. We want to talk about Jules. I believe her actual, her first name is Juliana, but her, or yeah, Juliana, but her, I'm not sure how she says it, but everybody refers to her as Jules. So we're going to call her Jules here on the podcast until we find out differently. Uh, but Jules Lamondola, number 52 in the ESPN ranking, six, one guard out of Dallas. Uh, she was the Texas Gatorade player of the year this year. She took her team to the final four in the Texas state tournament. Uh, their, their class, they have a class system in Texas um, and they play, I believe, in one of the bigger classes yeah. uh, down in Texas. Uh, she averaged 17 points a game, nine rebounds, three assists per coach. Rhett, this is per, uh, coach Rhett's quote that we found. She just does all the things that it takes to win, um, appears to be able to finish through contact. She finds open players, got some fire in her, which, you know, which kind of goes along with what we see out of this program. Um, and then one of the things that we saw in the videos and, and, and Kathy pointed this out. Uh, that a lot of times with her high school team, they put her kind of in a high post position and got her the ball and just let her kind of do a lot of her work from the free throw line on down or finding players. But if you go and find some of the other videos, I was able, Kathy, I didn't have a chance to send them to you, but if you catch a couple of her other videos that tend to be more of her AAU film yeah. footage. And I, I always, I'm always hesitant to get too deep into film footage on high school players just because you're only going to see the good stuff. It, it, yeah. You're not seeing them throwing it into the second row of the stands. You're not seeing them fall down when they try to spin move. You're not mm -hmm. seeing them play any defense for the most part, unless it's a block shot or a pick six type steal. But what I saw on the some of the AU stuff, but where she was with her AU team, she was much more of an outside wing, handle the ball and shooting the three and had a, what I thought was a pretty nice looking stroke to her shooting form. So I think this is a young lady that, again, I think we should you know caveat this. Freshmen find it hard to play in Terry Morin's system. They have to learn the system. They have to be willing to play defense first. And this is a group, this is still a team that's pretty well loaded with veterans. So um, how many minutes will Jules get during the season? Well, that remains to be seen. But I liked what she said in an interview. She said, I'm going to separate myself by how hard I work. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, that was uh, definitely my favorite quote that I got from her. There is a lot actually more video on her than I could actually find on uh, Charnice as a transfer coming in. So I was just expecting when I was, you know, doing some research for the, the, the podcast today, I'd be able to find a lot on a transfer and maybe harder on freshmen. I found way more video on the freshmen and both of them. Um, I know we're not talking um, about uh, Lene yet, but they both had very professional videos done with mm -hmm. their highlights and clips and things together. But I think for, for Jules, the reason in particular we could find so much is because she was such a high accolade player coming out of Texas, which is a huge state with a lot of competition, you know, Gatorade player of the year there. 
she had a lot of focus on her at her local news. Mm -hmm. And I found a ton of interviews with her and coaches and even a 40 minute video that was quite long showing, you know, different clips in, a, in an interview. And it, it was really great. And I love that I'm going to separate myself by how hard I work. And I feel like that's the theme of our three incoming player. We we talked already about Sharnice and her putting in the work to, to get past her knee injuries. And Jules absolutely said a couple of times, I, she prides herself on the work. And, you know, I think we'll see notes of that when we get to Linnea as well. Um, and that her favorite move is the spin move. And so I think, again, I think her motor is going to be pretty high coming in. As always, freshman, like you you said it, who knows if that's going to translate to Big Ten because, you know, she's coming out of being the, the big fish and maybe a kind of a smaller pond. And now she's going to get to that consistent level with players that are more experienced than her that, you know, the Big Ten is it's no joke in terms of, you know, you know, people going and she's listed as a six one guard. I wonder how that's going to translate from what I saw, because I did see a few clips of AAU. She did have some outside shooting, but she just seemed predominantly more, you know, kind of on the inside of the three point mm -hmm. arc. So I don't see anything I saw didn't tell me she was going to add to any of our three point shooting ability. But maybe there's something with her mid range and just, again, getting to the basket and being able to score through contact. Um, I loved her fire. Like I really did. That it was something I I listed as well. And um there were so many times where after a great play, she'd be excited for her teammates or for herself and just visibly excited. And, and sometimes I think we need some of that because some of our players can be quieter, right? Like Chloe is a, a quiet leader and, you know, McKenzie can get fiery too. But for the most part, I think she goes out there and does her business. But for, Jules definitely showed a lot of emotion in a lot of her clips that that I saw. Yeah, like I said, I'm not saying anything. We're not trying to say that they won't play, but we yeah. just we've been on here a couple of years now, thinking we're going to see a, maybe a freshman come in, and and, and Yarden Garzon was probably the the, 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 the yeah. exception to the rule here. And I think a lot of that because Yarden played almost literally professional ball in Israel. You know, she was you know she was used to playing at that level. But I do what I'm I think and you and I will talk about this as we get deeper into the offseason as we head toward the season kind of one of the constant questions with the program is how deep will we go and is or if we're recruiting kids like this and with a veteran group can we finally get I know we when I say finally I'm sounding like I'm being oh, negative I'm not trying to be negative just but it is a criticism I think it's a legit criticism that can we finally get to eight or nine on the depth right. and play those and not feel like we're playing the starters 35, 34 minutes every night or more. And, and so that's, you know, kind of like, you know, but I think we've seen enough of coach Morin to know that even Grace Berger didn't come in and play 25 minutes a night as a freshman. It's there's a, almost a real trust level that has to be get built there for you as a player that you obviously you earn on the practice court and in the weight room and doing things. But yeah, I, I really like her fire because I, I thought that was one of the things that popped out in the video for me, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yarden was, I think, the exception to the rule that we have seen with Coach Morin, that most of the time your freshmen are going to come in and play very sparingly um, and in, in key key moments are um, just at, at specific moments. And they're, they're probably not going to be getting a lot of double digit games, uh, at least in the heart of the Big Ten schedule, for sure. And, and let's face it, though, we are going to lose 
a bunch after this upcoming season. Yeah, we will. And so some of these players are going to get, you know, they're going to get their real test, whether it's in my, you know, kind of maybe Charnice, but Jules and Lene. And, and, and I think we want to talk about, again, we're not trying to talk about the kids who are returning tonight, but I think it's interesting to see what Lily, and I'm really excited about, for example, somebody like Lexi Bargesser yep. or, or a Hannah Sandvik, what they can do with hopefully more minutes, um, than what they were getting last year but you right. know so anyway I, I don't have anything about jules anything else about jules do you have anything no nope. or you nope. want to take us on into lene let's do it so okay so lene beaumont beaumont is also a 6-1 guard she was illinois miss basketball uh in the state as well as illinois gatorade player of the year so again some nice accolades there for lene she had um quite a few more than that as well but those are the the main highlights she played at bennett academy her hometown is lyle illinois um, during her senior year here, she averaged 19.3 points per game and 7.6 rebounds um, her last year. In terms of uh, hoop girls rankings, she's ranked 83rd. And uh, uh, again, going back to Coach Rhett, as we were talking about, he had an interview and he compared her game to, to Grace and what he could see from her becoming in the future. Again, he caveated that with, She's not Grace now, but we could see that coming in the future. The other thing I liked about her is that she's a coach's kid. So we, you know, often that comes in with a very good high IQ and, you know, that probably showed up fairly early for her as um, warranted with DePaul gave her an offer all the way back in eighth grade. So um, for her, she does seem to have a three-point game, and she has really good vision on the court, finding her teammates, I think, both in the half court and in open court in transitions. Um, I did see quite a few of nice spin moves from her and finishing through contact. So um, I think the the most interesting comment from from Coach Brett was that he said, we probably could have brought in a couple of transfer players, and this is just in general about why we didn't, but he said, but we're going to be better than that. What we already were coming in as with our freshmen. He said, we didn't think we would. So we didn't see any reason to go out in the transfer portal and really hit more, more transfers when we, we know we had these two freshmen specifically coming in that they think can help us. So according to coach Rhett, he, they're expecting big things from both of these freshmen coming in. Yeah. I will say this for coach Rhett. That's a good quote to give out to the media about that. You're not going to say, well, we didn't feel like we didn't have anything. So right. I agree. I mean, watching on video, I think, you really see it with Lene in the video. And yeah. again, the videos are always going to look better than some of it, but you know, but, but you're Miss Basketball. You, you, you are, you are the player of the year in Illinois for as the Gatorade player of the year. Uh, same thing with Jules down in Texas. But I thought the one thing I did see some of that grace type similarity there, the, the, the move, the, the, the especially kind of the spin move to get into the lane yeah. and either dish or finish. I saw a little bit of that with Jules too. Uh, I thought Jules maybe finished through contact just a little bit better than, than Lene did, but I thought Lene looked more um, as almost a more of a pure point guard yeah. uh, than probably Jules is. Um, but it sounds like they've actually made kind of a friendship already as well. Watching one of the videos with them. Uh, you're talking about DePaul offering her when she was in the eighth grade, Doug Bruno, for many of you who don't know, Doug Bruno, longtime coach at DePaul has been, is an excellent coach. So it tells me something that Doug was willing to coach Bruno was willing to go out and offer at that young of an age. Um, there was a video I found out of the Naperville area that, and again, I've seen a little bit of Jules or excuse me, a little bit of Lene, just because she does get some of the, you know, that some of that interest out of the Chicago media a little bit. And, and so I'm able to pick up some of that. Um, I did watch a little bit of one of her games, in the Illinois state tournament. Cause I can get that on the, on the Comcast station out of Chicago as well. 
Uh, I didn't watch the whole game. I didn't watch the. I didn't watch the championship game. I think it was the semifinal game. I watched a little bit of. Um, just she just looks like a you know a high IQ player, which again I think Terry yeah. Morin and her staff have done a very good job of identifying players with high basketball IQ, and I think there's something to be said for spotting that as a talent. Um, I will go back and say, Jules, I saw an interview where Jules made the comment that her first offer was had been from Abilene Christian. Okay. Just so we're giving news out there since we had that yeah. about DePaul. I did see one about Abilene Christian. Um, but I think, again, both of them have skills. They're both yeah. ranked in the top 100 of the rankings. As I believe Steve Steve Fisher was pointing out in the workaholics, you know, she, Jules was rated out as a 94, I believe, out of 100, which is not that far away from actually being a five-star um, or, or, let alone in the top 25. And I do think there's still some hit and miss in the women's recruiting rankings. Um, I'm not sure that I always buy into exactly where kids slot in. I think especially once you get past the top 20 or 25 in the women's rankings, I think that, you know, you might be, you could throw them all in the bag and shake it out and, you know, and how they come out, you know, how they'll right. play in, in the college level will really not be any different um, with that. So, but, you know, with that, I think Lene is one that she, uh, in that interview she was talking about, you know, she really was, you know, kind of liked watching, you know, her from the time she'd been watching IU as, during the recruiting process, um, really kind of focused on watching Grace. So she really was somebody yeah. that that was somebody she really was focusing on trying to model game after. Yeah. So um, speaking of Lene's recruitment, um, one of the, is an interview, an article, but I, I found where um, Lene said that she felt um, that she was going to go to another Big Ten school until she came to the Indiana official um, visit. Mm -hmm. And she felt that the coaching staff, especially Coach Morin, um, we had this uh, question in the community in terms of, you know, what we think might be going on with uh, the coaching staff that we're getting, you know, some of these recruits. We've, we'll touch on the 2024 community recruits already. We had a nice freshman class last year, freshman class coming in this year. But Lene specifically said, I was going to go to another Big Ten school until I came on campus in Indiana. And the whole coaching staff just made me feel like I was at home. And that that's, that was also something we heard from one of our 2024 commits that we'll talk about here um, later. Um, and I wonder, and this is pure speculation, just to caveat that I have zero basis for this. I almost wonder if the other Big Ten school maybe was Iowa. I don't know what other um, other uh, offers she got from other Big Ten schools, and why am I saying that? Also, the uh, another person, if you remember this name from back in the early around 2016 or so, Kathleen Doyle for Iowa went yeah. to the same high school yeah. that Lene went to and Lene listed her or talked about her as one of her, her mentors. And so it, to me, I just wonder if that might've been the other big 10 school zero it basis could. for that. I'm completely speculating. So I'm just kind of curious if that might've been it. It could have been because a, the, the girl you're talking about that played the, at, at Bennett, she talked about us saw an interview with that might have been the same interview she also made mention that she talked with or uh she'd actually played against caitlin clark in high school yeah. like when yes. she was a freshman so and and yeah. uh, she thought that was going to be weird that she not weird but kind of it, it was neat that she was going to play against her after having played against her in high school so she was just really talking about that i was trying to look up real quick if i could find a listing but i don't have it i couldn't find a listing on lene's um of her offers 
her off there. Yeah. So I'll try and it's not all that important you know, for now, but yeah, I, in that maybe a Michigan, I could see, uh, you know, a yeah. Michigan being a kind of school that might've been recruiting her as well. Yeah. And, and, and having had some success in the, um, Chicago land area as well with some recruits. So, but I, I don't have anything else about Lene to you. Yeah. Just one other quick thing. You know, I, I hit on this a little bit when we were talking about Jules, but just her work ethic. And again, it was this an interview they t- talked about how, you know, she really started ratcheting up her training the last couple of years. And in fact, um, like a typical day for her, I think it was probably during the off season, not during high school, but she would drive 45 minutes and she was working specifically with a WNBA trainer. Um, somebody that's training um, ladies to get ready for the WNBA. She would drive 45 minutes and then she drove another, I think she said a half an hour or so after that to go to her strength and conditioning coach. And then she'd still come back and practice actual basketballs um, on later in that day. And and there were times she said that she was actually kicked out of the gym because they said she was there too much and they were concerned about her and they needed to get her out of the gym. And so I think, again, we see this theme with all three of our our incoming um, players here, the we have coming in for the the team coming up this year. So um, just really liked what I saw from her. I felt she was really polished. You know, I know she and Jules were listed at the same height, but I felt Jules seemed more, um, you know, of, of maybe a bigger presence than Lene. Lene mm-hmm. looked like she's probably going to have to do a lot more work in the weight room to put on, um, put on some muscle there, I think in particular, and they just seem to have slightly different games. I know yes. they're against six, one guards, but I just feel like they're going to fit different niches for the team. And that's also what I like. All three of these players seem to fill different holes for the team. Um, not just for next year, but like you were talking about for for hopefully the next, you know, two to three, four years to come. So that's what I really like about this class as a whole. Well, and the other thing I kind of keep an eye on, maybe we'll try and remember to come back to this as we start looking at the preseason. Let's see what they get listed at officially on the roster when the official roster gets put out in, in yeah. October. Um, and let's see if they're still listed at 6-1. And, uh, that right. Sometimes, you know, your high they school. Grow, you get, yeah, what would you get listed at in high school? I was one, I'll be honest, when I was coaching, I was one of those that always added a couple inches. Um, and I'm not sure it was as big a deal in girls. But when I was coaching guys, I used to sit around and watch guys all the time, look at the, you know, like in a pregame, look at the roster and be like, wow, he's 6-5? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, wasn't really six, five, but you know, because somebody put him down six, five, all of a sudden the kids are like, Oh, it's six, five. Right. So it's like, so I started always adding an inch or two to my players just to make it, you know, see if that psychological played in there. So, yeah. um, so let's talk about our 2024 commits real briefly, just who they are. I'll start out faith Wiseman from here in Indiana, Indian Creek high school in Trafalgar, which is just kind of in between, um, Franklin and, 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 and Greenwood, I guess I would say it's, it's out in, um, uh, it's, it's in Johnson County, uh, just, you know, kind of out toward the edge of Johnson County. Uh, but I can always remember Indian Creek being one of those schools that, you know, especially when I was growing up, always every so often had a really good boys program, um, as well. And, and just kind of one of those really unique Indiana consolidation names too. Uh, but Faith Wiseman, six, four wing had committed earlier, uh, to the Hoosiers. And then uh, Kathy, I'll let you take today's announcement. Yeah, so today we we learned that Sydney Finn um, also committed uh, uh, to coming in to play for us. That again, 2024 commitments, and won't be in this coming season. It'll be the season after. She is from Arizona Compass Prep, which is in Chandler, Arizona, and she is listed as um, a six three. Um, strong forward here. So um, Sydney Finn, uh, the thing that I think stuck out to to Jeff and I is that in 
her press release, one of the things that she very much mentioned in there was, I just came to Indiana because it felt like home mm -hmm. to me when I came to my visit. So again, it's back to that theme of how the coaches are making everyone feel welcome. Um, and I read specifically an article with Sydney where she uh, was quoted as she came in for that visit and she was talking with Sydney Parrish and McKenzie, just the three of them um, in Assembly Hall. And the coaching staff then came in to visit and Sydney Finn mentioned how Sydney Parrish and McKenzie both just seemed to light up and be genuinely excited that the coaching staff was actually there. And she said, I didn't always see that on some of my other visits where the coaching staff would come in. And the genu the players were genuinely excited about the coaching staff coming into the visit as the, the two of them were. So I think that says a lot about, again, the whole program coming together. Yeah, I think one thing you mentioned about the recruiting, we all say this, as Steve pointed out in the work of Holics, and I saw this in an article as well. She is out at a school in Arizona, but she is originally from the Buffalo area. So she's at one of these schools that, out in Arizona and Nevada that have really become kind of a, a – um, uh, on the men's side, you're seeing quite a bit of this, like an IMG type academy. It's not exactly IMG, but it's it's that it's kind of that charter school concept. But they're really trying to make their name through the athletic side of it. Um, so, but she's originally from Buffalo, so so cold weather shouldn't be something that she's you know uh, afraid of seeing um, yeah. in, in in the middle of the winter. Um, but I did see the picture. There was actually a picture with her and Sydney and Mac that made it on one of the articles I was reading as well. Um, she also, I think it's also, can I get your thoughts on this as well? I think it's just one of those things I heard from Grace. I, we kind of heard from Chloe a little bit that you kind of get the real feeling that when they bring recruits in, there is a, it's not just one or two players who are kind of the, the host for the weekend or when, however long they're there. The whole team is involved. And I won't say the team has a veto, but I think the coaching staff really takes in a lot of input from the players on these recruits in terms of things like, well, what did you think? Is this somebody that can fit into our system? I think there's just a lot on the player. And I think that also goes back to what you were talking about, just that family atmosphere of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to really dive into either Sydney or uh, Finn or Faith yet. So, um, so I don't have a whole lot. Um, no, but just, I just meant as far as that idea that the, co that the players are oh, heavily yes. involved. Yes, I did get that. And I got that sense as well from, you know, the freshmen and, and coming in as well. I, I think it was Lene, and you already mentioned this about um, how she was texting with Sid, with, um, excuse me, with Grace and um, McKenzie and actually some of the, the current players already during, you know, March, uh, during the Big Ten and during the, the season after she committed and stuff. And so, again, I think that just says a lot about how our team seems to be very welcoming and that our coaching staff makes everyone feel pretty comfortable. Um, how much we have a quick question in the chat. How much room have we got? I think we technically still have next year, three open scholarships, but I don't foresee us. I think we have 12 officially now um, with the, the three incoming players. I don't see us really going after any other transfers at this point. So I, I'm guessing this roster of 12 is probably what we'll see next year. Yeah. 12, maybe a walk on, you know, yeah. a, a preferred walk on that, or, you know, somebody that, you know, with that, I think also, I think maybe banking a little bit for the portal the following year and also banking a little bit for another yes. incoming freshman in 24. I don't think Faith and Sydney 
are going to be the last two. And I, I, I think to a certain degree, we haven't talked about the kids who left, but uh, a Keandra Brown, um, a, 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 a Mona those kids who left created an open spot that probably wasn't going to get filled or I shouldn't say wasn't going to be a, a high priority fill this year anyway. So that's why I think they're probably banking scholarships. Right. Absolutely. So, so. all right. So <laughs> anything else about our 23 commits, especially Kathy, or anything real briefly about Faith or Sydney in 24? Nope. That's all I had. Okay. Oops. Wrong one. <laughs> oh. All right, it's time for last call. We're going to give it, send it over to Kathy to help us wrap things up. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of fun diving into each of our three incoming ladies here today, or come, getting ready for today, uh, and trying to find some videos and the, the clips and the interviews. And it was just kind of neat to, to, to get to know them a little bit, especially our incoming freshmen. Like I mentioned, I could find quite a few interviews that you get, you know, a nice sense of what they're kind of like off the court. And Lene seems kind of quiet, where... Um, you know, then we have Jules, who seems a little more boisterous and outgoing. But, you know, both of them just had great, great videos out there of some of the workouts that they've done and the work ethic they put in. And again, I'm just I'm also very excited about Charnice, too. I think she's going to add something different mm -hmm. to our team and a new depth that we haven't seen, which is that athleticism we've we've kind of been talking about. And so I, I think the coaching staff did a nice job. While we don't have a huge class coming in, per se, the, the three coming in, although Charnice is technically a different class. I think that they're really going to fill some holes that hopefully will provide us a little bit additional depth, especially as we saw McKenzie with her wear and tear again last year on her knee. I, I hope that we'll be able to give her a little bit more rest earlier and consistently throughout the season. So that's where I'm pretty excited to see them. I'm not, again, expecting double digit minutes from them or points from them on a consistent basis, but I do expect that we'll see all three of them on the floor at various times next year. I will say this. I don't know, Kathy, if you saw this one, you were talking about the personalities a little bit. I, I agree with you. I, I really kind of felt the same way, but there was a really good podcast that was on YouTube I want to say it's called Sports Talk Live out of the Dallas area. It was more of a Dallas area podcast where they were interviewing Jules and her personality really kind of came through. I watched, I only watched about 10, 15 minutes of it. And I kind of sped through a little bit of it. So of that 10, 15 minutes, yeah. but you can definitely see that Jules just more, at least on uh, on camera anyway, is a, a little bit more outgoing, vibrant, kind of that fiery you know you know she wasn't fiery in the interview but you can see where it's coming from she yeah. just has that kind of personality whereas Lene, nothing bad about it but she's just more soft-spoken again i kind of felt like it, and i hate to draw this comparison because i feel like i don't want them to sell them up to fail but you can kind of get that soft you can kind of see where coach Rett sees those qualities because she some of the things on film and then just kind of the way she talked really you're like kind of like a grace burger just really yeah, really business. simple you know not you know not bragging, you know, bragging about anything, but just real kind of a quiet confidence in her. And, uh, and so, but those were kind of keep, you know, if you get a chance to go back and, and see a couple of those, um, and the, those type of interviews for our fans, if you could pull them up on YouTube, like I said, I want the one out of, uh, Dallas, I think it was sports called Sports Talk Live and who, yeah. who's got next or something like that. Uh, it was a really good interview for them. Shout out to them here from our, from doing the work. Um, 
And then the other one was Naperville Center. It was like a Naperville Naperville News thing that I saw. Yeah. And so and I think you must have seen the same one because that, that was the one that had him talking about the girl that was like six or seven years older. Yes. And, and I'm forgetting her name off the top Kathleen of my head. Kathleen Doyle. Yes, Kathleen, Kathleen Doyle. Doyle. Thank you. Yes. So anyway, but... Um, but other than that, I really don't have anything else to add. Enjoy everybody being here in the workaholics. I know we've been off for a while and and such. But we just we we just have the philosophy that if it's really you know nothing much happening, we're not going to just have a show to have a show. Um, and it's just been a really slow off season, and and so we're kind of happy with that. You know, it means the program's in a pretty solid position. Uh, but we're going to try and come back here in a couple of weeks. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed and on the Assembly Call community page, and we'll let you know. But we'll try and come back. We'll see if we can uh, line up some some guests for you to to kind of bounce some things off of. We also have kind of kicked around an Ask Us Anything type of episode here in the summer where you can ask us some questions and rather than just one specific topic. So uh, if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. You can be a part of our private community as well. Uh, that's at assemblycall.com slash community. And you can get all the information there about joining our community. Special thanks to John Rigger of Rig Design for designing our logos we've been using throughout the season. Uh, also, a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our new music. Not sure I can call it new. Uh, we almost finished up a full year of music yes. with Bob. But for Bob, you know, for our music that you heard throughout the broadcast, and thank you guys for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you soon. You can also follow us on Twitter. at doing. If you search Doing the Work on Twitter, we'll come up. You can follow us there uh, as well. So until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Quang likes your shirt. I guess so. Yeah. I found <laughs> this. I don't even know where the heck I found this. I've had this for years, but yeah, for those who can't see, Jeff is alluding to my shirt. Quang has mentioned a couple of times. It says, uh, you can take the girl out of Indiana, but she'll always be a Hoosier. So um, seems appropriate for someone living in Des Moines. So I, I wear that shirt pretty proudly every once in a while. So um, yeah. So thanks, Quang. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for being here tonight, or thanks to everybody who's listening from your favorite podcast. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to call tonight, and we'll yep. talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Like I said, look on Twitter, look on the community page. We'll let you know when our next broadcast is. Yep. Happy June, everyone. Take care. See you, everybody.